couple of verses there to get started. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 5 and 6. When the Lord begins to open our eyes to, to truth, it's amazing how you begin to see related and connected truth all throughout the Word of God. And we have, on the last few Wednesday nights, we've been talking about how our faith is in God, in, in, in His person, in, in who He is. Our, our confidence is not just in the promise, but in the one who made the promise. You can never have more faith in a promise made than you have in the one who made that promise and then you begin to see, like, maybe we'll cover some of these more later, but taste and see that the Lord is good. He's wanting you to experience Him. That you would be given a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the intimate, personal, and thorough knowledge of God. And, 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 and the idea here is not not just that we would know what God knows, but that we would know Him. I think sometimes we come before the Word because we want to learn and know what God knows, and there's nothing wrong with that, please. He wants you to know. That's why He gave us His Word in the first place, was for us to understand His ways and, and to know His, His wisdom. But even one, and most importantly, you know, step deeper than that, is to know Him, is to know not just the Word of God, but to know the God of the Word. Amen. And so just keep that in mind as we work our way through some of these things tonight. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5, By faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Sometimes you hear people talk about you know God taking somebody and, and they mean that that person died. I'm really not a fan of that terminology. If that person who passed from this life to the next, if, if they were a born-again man or woman, God received them. He received them. There's a difference between receiving something or someone and taking something or someone. But in Enoch's case, he was taken. And in Elijah's case, he, he was taken. I don't think either one of them were taken by surprise by their being taken, but they were taken. And we talked last week about how this was rarefied company. We, we have very, very few people that we know of that were taken like this. Um, they didn't die. Elijah didn't die. Enoch didn't die. They went straight to heaven with God. There are those who say that they will be the two witnesses in the book of Revelation, that the world sees die and their bodies lay in the streets and then the world sees them raised from the dead. I've always had an inkling that, that there was some truth to that. I can't teach and preach that with confidence because the Bible doesn't say that specifically. But the Bible does say it's appointed unto man once to die and after that the judgment. And of course, since these two men have not died a physical death, but hey, you know, how all that plays out is still to be seen and we're excited to to see it and to be a part of it. 
for the purpose of tonight, it's that Enoch had a testimony that he pleased God. And I'm sure there were a lot of things that he did, but what, what enabled Enoch to please God is the same thing that can enable you and me to please God. And that was faith, because we see in verse 6 the context provided by verse 5, but without faith it is impossible to please him, to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So we said last week, please do not ignore the use of the strong words impossible and must. These words are speaking of absolutes. And God is gracious to us and he is sharing with us how he designed his system of life and and victory and receiving and all of these things to work. And we see that it is a faith-based system. And he gave to each one of us the measure of faith so that we could use the faith that he's given us to please him. So, based upon what we see here, you cannot please God apart from trusting Him. And you cannot please God apart from confidence in Him, and you cannot please God apart from believing in Him. We said that faith in God pleases God, and if you do not have faith in Him, nothing else you do will please Him. That's what it means by without faith, apart from faith. And last week, we're not going to try to review all that, but last week we talked about all these good and noble things that people do that you know, we think surely pleases God, but if those things are done apart from faith, they do not please God. But if those things are done in response to God as, and as an expression of our trust and confidence and faith in Him, then they absolutely please God. But faith is the deciding factor on whether or not the things that we do, even in God's name, are pleasing to Him. Then continuing to look at this very important passage, he says that he that comes to God, and he's talking about coming to God, and that when we come, we must believe, again, a very important word, an absolute word, must believe that God is, and that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And I'm really wanting to emphasize for you tonight what I believe the Holy Spirit has really been breathing on in this verse for us, and that is believe that that God is, and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. In other words, emphasis on God is and emphasis on him. Him meaning himself, his person, who he is, his nature, his character his personality. So, coming to God, we see that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So, every human being is welcome to come to God. And remember that before we ever decided to go to Him, He came to us. Before we ever made an effort to love him he loved us first so when we come to god we're 
we're coming in response to Him creating us, Him loving us, Him uh, giving us the, the inward light and, and knowledge that, that, that there is a God and we come to Him. And so last week we broke down what it looks like to come and, and why people come. And what we've understood from that is there's a right way to come to God and there's a wrong way to come to God. And the right way is to come to God believing that He is and believing that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Now, we come to God for help, we come to God for answers, we come to God for breakthrough, we come to God for blessings, and we see in Scripture, Scripture's clear, it's Father's good pleasure to give good things to His children. He enjoys giving good things to you and me just like we enjoy giving good things to people that we know and people that we love. So it's never been, it's never been a matter of God desiring to give you good things or Him wanting you to have good things. Romans 8, I think, makes it as clear as anywhere we find in the Scriptures. If He spared not His only Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how will He not now, with Jesus at His right hand, freely give us all things? And the Scriptures are clear, He's withheld no good thing from us. So it's not a matter of God's willingness to give. It's not a matter of His ability to give. Remember the dad who came to Jesus whose son needed help? And his attitude to Jesus was, if you can believe. And Jesus corrected him really quick. It's not a matter of if God can. It's a matter of if if that man, I'm sorry, I didn't say that right. The man said to Jesus, if you can do anything. It's not a matter of whether or not Jesus can do it. He obviously can do it. It wasn't even a matter of if, if, if Jesus wanted to do it. He wanted to do it. But it still boiled down to if that man could believe. If you can believe, all things Jesus said are possible to him who believes. So the if wasn't on Jesus in that situation, it was on that man. And the if in whatever situation you and I may be dealing with, it's it's not on God, the if is on us. Amen. So there's no problem... In other words, it's not wrong to come to God because we need help or we need answers or we need something fixed or or what have you. The problem is when that's all we're interested in where God is concerned. I mean, He died for us while we were yet sinners. He helps people every day who never acknowledge Him. I'm not trying to leave you with some wrong impression about God God and and Him withholding things from us, He's withheld no good thing from us. I mean, we've taught on those things for years and and we'll continue to do so. But the spotlight is is on us and and it's on our learning to trust and it's it's the the growth and development and the maturing that that Father God is, is wanting to see happen in, in his children as we grow up into Jesus in all things. So we mentioned last week the woman with the issue of blood who came to Jesus and also 
countless numbers of other people who also came to Jesus that day. But it was very specific that she received from Jesus. And then, of course, we see that the whole story started with Jairus going, uh, coming to Jesus and Jesus going with Jairus to Jairus' house to, to heal his uh, daughter. And then we left off last week with this group from John 6 who put forth you know, record effort to row across the water to find Jesus because they had eaten of the miraculous meal that Jesus had provided for them the day before. And so they woke up that next morning all excited, all energized, highly motivated, but not to find Jesus, but to find another free meal. And so let's read this. I know we've read it several times, but let's go back to it. John 6 and 24, when the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they also got into boats and came to Capernaum seeking Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, those signs, another word for miracles, but, but we see that Jesus used the word signs because he's saying that the miracles point to a greater reality. The, the miracles are signs that point to something more important than the miracle itself. The signs point to the one who actually performed the miracle. But they weren't there for the one to whom the signs pointed. They were there because they ate the loaves, verse 26, and were filled. And Jesus gives them instructions here. He says, Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set His seal on Him. Then they said to Him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in Him whom God has sent. King James Version, by the way, says believe on Him whom God has sent. We'll talk about that in a minute. Now, we see all kinds of effort put forth by these men and women to come to Jesus, to diligently seek, but He wasn't pleased with them. He wasn't pleased with them because they were not diligently seeking Him. They were diligently seeking the help that He could provide for them they were diligently seeking whatever secrets he might could share with them, but they were not interested in him, or we could say it this way, his person. They came because of what he could potentially do for them without any interest at all in who he was. Now, Hebrews eleven six says, He that comes to God, he that comes to God must believe that he is. It does not say he that comes to God must believe that he can or that he will, but it's, it specifically says must believe that he is. These people came and they were seeking, but not to find the one to whom the signs pointed. Now, now let's, let's consider this carefully for a moment, okay? Because people are looking for signs today. And just like these people... Signs are all around them. But they're blinded to the signs because they are not looking for the one to whom the signs point. 
And because they're not interested in finding the one to whom the signs point, they're blinded to the signs. If you only look for signs, you will miss the signs and the one to whom the signs point. But when you shift to looking for the one to whom the signs point, you not only find the one to whom the signs point, your eyes are open to the signs. So many things that we just write off as being a coincidence. It's no coincidence at all. It's divine intervention in our lives. When Jesus tried to help these, this group of people by explaining to them that they're going after the wrong thing. Their hearts are set on you know, some type of formula, some type of principle, some system that they can work, some angle that they can play to, to multiply food. Jesus is saying, listen, you're, you're putting all your effort in, into food that's temporary when you should instead shift up to a higher current and, and go after things that are eternal. He said, you didn't come looking for me because of the signs. And notice now they said, okay, so then what sign will you perform that we might believe? If a sign would enable them to believe, they had a sign yesterday. But they didn't even realize that what they experienced yesterday was a supernatural sign from God, that God had put his seal on the one standing in front of them. That God, listen, we, we see like throughout the scriptures things like, you know, God had put his hand on somebody or God had put his anointing on somebody or, or, or a measure of his spirit upon uh, Elijah, a double measure of his spirit upon Elisha. But no, no, now we've got Jesus, the one who came up out of the water and, and, the, and the Spirit of God descended upon him like a dove without measure. And God the Father speaks audibly from heaven, This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. And then again on the Mount of Transfiguration, This is my Son in whom, hear Him, listen to Him, right? In the presence of Moses and Elijah, the law and the prophets. God had put His seal on Jesus. These people weren't interested in that. They were blinded to it. Because they were only looking for a sign. If you look for the sign, you will miss the one to whom the signs point. But if you look for the one to whom the signs point, you will see the one to whom the signs point, and you will see the signs that are pointing to him. Yes? So notice, like, now that we've, we've, we've come to God, believing that he is, believing that he's a reward of those who diligently seek him, now all of a sudden you see that what you used to think was luck had nothing to do with luck. What you used to think was just, you know, you're so intelligent to put yourself in the right place at the right time for the right reason had nothing to do with you. It had everything to do with God. Signs all around us. The Bible says there are so many signs that the world we live in is actively conspiring to cover them up so they won't be so obvious. And even in the Old Testament, that wisdom herself is standing on every street corner crying out to us. The refusal to seek Jesus blinded them to him and all the signs that pointed to him. They were not seeking the person of Jesus. They were seeking the principles by which he operated. Now, it's one thing and it's easy for us to talk about them, but we, we don't want to make the same mistakes that these people made. And so I want, I want to try to make this as plain and as simple and as applicable 
to, to where we are in, 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 in the church today. Uh, when I say the church, I don't just mean here at Heritage. I mean where the people of God, at least a lot of, the, of God's people are today. And, and, and church and God and Jesus and the Bible and people who come to church or, or who, you know, read devotions and, 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 and do what we would classify as spending time with God. How, how much of the time that people spend seeking God, spending time with God, coming to church, prayer meetings, classes, you know, all these things that we come to, right? How do we come? Come to... How, how much of that is, 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 motivated, is motivated by learning something that will make our lives better? That's what these people were doing. They rode, all, they rode across that water to find Jesus because they wanted him to tell them something that would make their lives easier, that would make their lives better, that would, that would make their lives more convenient, that would make their lives easier. You can't fault them for that. Or, you know, it's not like they chased Jesus down to try to, you know, fuss at him or cuss him out or throw a rock at him or, or, or march around, boycott Jesus. No, they, they, I mean, they came and they put forth a lot of effort to come. I don't know what day of the week it was, but, you know, there were people who probably called in, hey, you know, I need to take a day. I, I got to go, go find this guy. You know, can you imagine a wife, you know, her husband's like packing up, you know, I don't, I don't know how far we're going to have to row or where we're going to have to go to find him. Honey, what if you get fired? If I can find him and he can tell me how to multiply food, it don't matter if I get fired. Right? So notice now, their motives were, let's go to Jesus to see if Jesus will tell us something that'll improve our lives. That'll make our lives a little easier. That'll make our lives a little more enjoyable. That'll, that'll, that'll help us have a little more in life and get a little more from life. Now, Jesus, see, now, you know, we're cutting now, right? We got the brush. You got a tongue out. Or do you do that when you cut with a brush? Anyway, hey amen. We, 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 we've rolled and rolled and rolled. Now we're cutting. Amen. And, and I, I'm not, Jesus wants your life better. He bled to death naked on a cross so you could have a better life. I'm, I, that, this, if you think I'm telling you that Jesus is not interested in you having a better life, a more convenient life, a more productive life, a more blessed life, a more victorious life, you're not hearing what I'm saying. But here's the problem with that. These people came to Jesus because they wanted him to make their lives better and they were willing to work really hard and do a whole bunch of stuff and jump through a whole bunch of hoops and, 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 and whatever he told them to do, they were ready to go do it, Right? But they had no interest in him. They were missing the point big time. So again, I'm asking you, of everybody who will be in church this Sunday and next, right? Palm Sunday and Easter, right? Of all the folks who were in church last Sunday, I'm not just talking about here at Heritage, I'm talking about all across the United States, all across the world for that matter. How many of them folks were there, not for Jesus, but to see if the preacher... Or somebody could tell them something that would help them make their marriage a little bit better, help them be better parents to their children, maybe give them some financial advice that would you know, make it a little easier for them. And, and listen, the Bible is full of all those kinds of principles and all those kinds of truths. 
But Jesus said, listen, you, you're putting all this effort. You're getting, you, you're getting all dressed up and, and getting up early and combing your hair and coming to church. Just because you want somebody to tell you something to make your life better and you're ignoring the one who died to make your life better. Who wants to do life with you every day. Well, he said it to this group, right? John 5. He said, he said, you search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. But notice here it is again. But you're not willing to come to me that you may have life. Think about what he's saying right there. Now, listen, we know and believe that Jesus is the Word made flesh. But how many people actually come to the Word of God realizing that, that Jesus is the Word made flesh, that Jesus is a living, breathing expression of God. And if you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. And, and if you want to know who God is and what God is like, study the life of Jesus. If you want to see Jesus, uh, I'm sorry, if you want to see how Father God responds to people caught in the act of sin or how God responds to children crawling all over him or how God responds to racism and prejudice or how God responds, then, then read the scriptures because you have Jesus living it out for us. The true nature of God, the true character of God, the personality of God. Amen. But how many people instead of that are trying to find three steps to faith, five steps to financial prosperity, eight steps to victory, 12 things to do for healing. Because the reality of it is, this, the scriptures do tell us how to have eternal life. <laughs> I think this verse, again, the Holy Spirit, God the Father, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, God, Jesus, they're all brilliant, right? You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. See, they're looking for a principle, not a person. They're looking for a strategy, not a savior. They're, 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 they're looking for um, some pattern to follow, but not personal fellowship with the God who created them. You see, in the same way the people in John 6 couldn't see the signs because they had no interest in coming to the one the signs pointed to, it's, it's repeating itself again here in 5 because these people, when I say, when Jesus said they searched the scriptures, how many of you know he's not talking about like, you know, pick up a Bible every six weeks or something. There were religious leaders who had memorized it frontwards and backwards. And they, they desired eternal life and there was mention of it, dwelling in the house of God forever. And, you know, so, you know, what doctrine is this? What, you know, who can, you know, they'd ask and heard and all these other things. And Jesus said, look, you, you search in the scriptures and, and, and the verses in there that point you to me, you're blinded to because you have no interest in coming to me. See, when we only come to find something we can do, 
to change our situation. That's not the same as coming to believe that he is. It's not the same as coming to seek him and his person. It's not the same as a desire to know him intimately, to place your trust in him and surrender your life to him. Now, I know that, and I've, I've encountered this some and people challenging what I preach, and that's fine. It's, you know, it's, I, I used to be, uh, you know, I was 17, 18 years old. I'd preach, and I get kind of tender about that. I don't, amen. I know what I know. I know what it's producing in my life. I know how it's working for me and what it's, you know, so, again, I, mean, I, I just, I try, but, you know, some folks just, they're not asking, they're telling me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and if somebody's asking me, I'll have a conversation with them. And, you know, but, you know, there's this whole thing going around about cheap grace and easy believism and all this stuff. Listen, I, that's not what I'm talking about here. His burden, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. None of this is hard. Matter of fact, he, he told Martha, he said, you, 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 you're worried and, you, and, you, and, you're, and you're troubled and you're cumbered about by all these things and only one thing's necessary. Just come in here and, and let's spend some time together, girl. Just come in here and get to know me. See, you know, she's, she's more interested in making sure she's got the house in perfect order and the, and the meal just right and you know, it's, it's hard to whip the mashed potatoes and keep the bros from burning and Mary's in there sitting at Jesus like, and, and, and Martha's like rebuking Jesus. Jesus? You just going to let her get away with this? Notice how she's got, she's got the one who was present when the universe was created sitting in her living room. And she's more interested in what she can do for him to impress him than she is in sitting down and getting to know him. Is there more to live in the life that God called you to live than sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening to him? Yeah, but that's where it's got to begin. You've you got to learn from him and, and, and learn of him. Remember, you're... Your number one purpose for, for living is fellowship with God. And every other purpose is not only second to that number one purpose, it's dependent upon it. I was put in my mother's womb to teach people and to serve people. But my, my effectiveness in doing that is dependent upon my fellowship with God. My fellowship with Him and getting to know him is where I hear from him for myself and for my family and for my family of faith. And I have something to feed people with. Amen. And it's not a bore, it's not a burden, it's not a chore. I start to say it's not a bore. I hope it's not a bore for you. It's certainly not boring for me, but it's not a burden, nor is it a chore. But I remember back in the day when I didn't understand that. 
And I would work 10, 15 hours trying to just come up with a 14-minute sermon. My mother would say it was like pulling eye teeth, you know. It's like just... I don't, I'm not saying this, I'm, him, I'm pointing to him, right? Okay. I, I could stand here till this time tomorrow and not even read to you all the notes that I have and explain to you all the notes that I have just on this subject. And it, and it comes from me fellowshipping with him and him revealing things to me. And I'll just reach over and push a button on my phone and just record both sides of the conversation. Are you just what I'm saying? In other words, well, Lord, what is, what about this? I asked him today, this is, man, it's coming soon to a Sunday message near you, okay? I'm just, just, just hear me on this, right? And I'm like, Lord, I could say it in tongues. I, I was, I said, please, please show me how to communicate that with your people. That's important, Lord. They need to know that. And this, this is what he told me. He said, you remember the days before you got air conditioner in your house as a kid? I said, yeah, yes, sir, I do remember that. He said, you appreciate air conditioning more than your children because your children never knew what it was like to live in a house without air conditioning. He said, your parents appreciate indoor plumbing more than you ever will because you have no idea what it was like so he's telling me this and i'm i'm like i'm dictating it into my phone as he tells me this right so there's fel i'm fellowshipping with him i'm asking him questions he's he's answering questions he's 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 right there and 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 so he says he says in the same way he said you will never appreciate indoor plumbing the way your parents appreciate indoor plumbing because you never knew life without indoor plumbing. I said, man, that's right, Lord. He said, and here's the other thing you need to know about that. He said, none of y'all have ever even considered going back to no air conditioning and no indoor plumbing. See, we've We've crossed over into something now. And nobody's like, man, you know what? I think I'm just going to go set my central air conditioning unit on fire. I'm tired of being comfortable. And I think it would do us all some good to get up in the middle of the night and have to walk 100 yards to an outhouse in the dark in the rain and the cold. No, see, that, we would never go back to that. I'm just trying to show you. I'm, what in the world has that got to do with anything? Oh, you just wait. It's got to do a lot. Amen. It's got to do with why this earth exists, actually. If you want to know the whole, or at least a little more of the. <laughs> you still with me? Amen. I, it's 8.04. I got I to gotta land this plane. So you think of all the things that people will come to but yet stop short of coming to Jesus. I'll never forget, we had, um, 
it's been several years ago, we had a fall festival, and it was a beautiful October evening, and um, it was outside, I'm, some of you I'm sure were there, probably helped prepare it all, and there were, well, one of the largest crowds we've ever had for anything at this church, there were probably 300, 400 people there, I mean, it was like people lined up almost to the road, and um, y'all just have to know my brother, I mean, you see him up here, but it, I mean, he told me, he said, I had to get a hold of myself. He said, I literally saw myself get a hot dog in both of my hands and jump up in the middle of that food table and start hollering, I'll give you a hot dog if you'll come on Sundays. People will come to a hot dog, but they won't come to the one who created the pig that made the hot dog. You see what I'm saying? They'll, amen. I never forget one year we, you know, we've always needed help and volunteers around here, and so we decided we're going to try to recruit some volunteers. So we did a volunteer breakfast for people to sign up to volunteer and help with the nursery and help with this and help with that. Right? And so, man, we just—I was like, I don't know—we we had a bunch of people come, and I was, so, I mean, I was so excited. And I'm trying—I don't even remember who it was. It 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 might have been Brother Bucky. I think it was Bucky because you know he kind of had that. Um, I mean, I love him. He's visiting him right now. I love him. He's Yankee, though. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's, come on. He's just, he's just Boston Yankee. I mean, it's even, amen. He's a well, brother. You know how he would say <laughs> I was like, I was just so excited about everybody that signed up and that came. He said, well, brother, you'll never know who really wants to volunteer until you do it without food. while he was back there washing dishes, by the way. Amen. Amen. Last verse, stand with me, praise God. John 17, 3. That's what Jesus said. He said, this is eternal life. Right, see, they're searching the scriptures because in them they think they have eternal life. But they won't come to Jesus that he might give them life. And notice what he said in John 17, 3, 17, 3. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Amen. That's eternal life. So there's a lot of people that are bummed out by that. So, no, I don't Sounds kind of boring to me, Pastor Martin. No, you have no idea. You have no idea. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we love you. And we love you because you loved us first. And Father, there are different reasons why we've come tonight. Lord, among those is there's people in this room that I love. I enjoy seeing them. I enjoy their company. But Father, you're, you're the reason we're here. We, we, we've come not because we're trying to learn something to make our lives a little better. But we want you. We, we, we're here for you. We understand that if it's apart from 
an expression of our trust in you that is no way it will ever please you. And that those who come must be firmly persuaded that you are and that you are a rewarder of those who diligently seek to know you, to know your person. Understand who you really are and what you're really like. That we would learn of you, Jesus. Not just about you, not just from you. Look at me, and I'm most, I'll say amen after I say this, okay? He's inviting us to come to him and take his yoke upon him, right? And I don't mean to belittle this, but just hear me, because it's become this thing that we say in the body of Christ, spending time with God. Okay. Well, you don't just spend time with somebody that you're in yoke, that you're yoked together with. That's deeper down in the notes, but I just felt I needed to say that. It's not, you know, it's like, yeah, I mean, I spent a little time with Jesus this morning. No, see, that's, that's, that's not yoked together with him. When two oxen are yoked together with one another, at the end of the day when they're loaded back in their corrals and they get on their smartphones to talk about, you know, what, what they did that day, they don't go, yeah, I spent a little time with Ralph today. No, no. Much more intimate, much more personal. Amen. Amen. You'll be blessed. Looking forward to seeing you on Sunday. You have a great rest of your week. Go shine for the Lord on those around you and be a blessing. Amen.